Welcome to this Summer Sabbath Sunday here at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Danny. And I'm Connie. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The first lesson is from Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson, we are continuing on Matthew 16, where we left off last week, literally the next verse we are picking up. We are in chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. That is Matthew 16, 21 through 28. Listen for the word of the Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside And began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. 
Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you remember last week, in the prior verses, we were with the amazing declaration of Peter in his strong faith. Jesus had just been tussling with the scribes and Pharisees, which kind of happened on a regular basis. He was traveling here and there and wondering what people were thinking of him. And if you remember last week, he said, who do they say that I am? Well, you prophet, Jeremiah, Elijah. Okay, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter right away responds, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Boom. So pleases Jesus that he said, blessed be you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. You will be Peter, the rock on which I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Keys to the kingdom authority and power to bind and unloose on this earth. This is pretty exciting. That's a good day for Peter. Now we pick up our very first verse, and you remember at the end of that verse, it says he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. So you know but it's not yet time for all to know. I still have work to do. We still have some things to get done. And so verse 21 picks up in our passage today. From that time on, from what time on? To that time where we just came from Peter proclaiming that Christ was the Messiah, the son of the living God. So now that that was out of the gate for the disciples, cats out of that bag, Jesus is now starting to pivot and talk about what has to happen for him to go to Jerusalem, to suffer and die and be raised again. And this is where Peter, well-meaning, as Peter often is, so represents all of us Today, this afternoon, we're here. This morning, we may be down here. Tonight, we may be up here again. Then an hour after that, we may be somewhere else in the middle. Seeking to be faithful and yet keeps misstepping here and there as he is trying to hear, take in, and understand what this Messiah really means and what it's all about. So he pulls Jesus aside to rebuke him. Anybody? Don't know if I would have been that bold, but I believe Peter's coming from a good place. He cares and loves for Jesus, proclaimed him as the Messiah, and now he's saying he has to suffer and die? Maybe rebuking was not the way to go, but certainly, Jesus, what is this all about? So he rebukes him by saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. 
And remember, there's a lot tied into this understanding of Messiah. Number one, Messiah would not suffer and be killed. That is completely opposite from what our understanding as Jews in that time period would represent the Messiah. Messiah was coming in power to free the nation of Israel from all of its decades and centuries and millennia of occupation by foreign forces. The Messiah was coming to free them and liberate them in that sense. How can a Messiah do that who was suffering and dies? It may be that Peter doesn't even hear the rest where it says, where Jesus says, and be raised on the third day. You know, when you're watching something or you're talking with someone and they say something that is either really interesting or really upsetting and and you kind of just stop right there and you're trying to process what did you just say did I just hear inflammatory maybe even offensive to you they keep talking but you're right there in the zone can't get past what I just heard it may be that Peter is stuck without understanding yet the second part about this resurrection. This is the first time in Matthew's gospel that Jesus alludes to this suffering and death. So it's the first pass. How many times do we need to hear things reinforced before we pick it up? Multiple times, I know it is in my case. In such befuddling information for these disciples, running counter to so much that they've always known and practiced through their faith and their understanding. And Jesus lays it out and Peter picks it up, or at least part of it, and says, oh no, oh no, 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 no. This can't happen. I love you, Jesus. I don't want you to hurt. You're the the Messiah. You, you, You can't be hurt. And immediately... Jesus takes him aside and smacks him down. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Get behind me, Satan. Wow. Could Jesus have said anything more offensive? I don't think so. It takes us back to Jesus in the wilderness with Satan. You remember Matthew 4, Mark 1, and Luke 4 all give us the accounts of Jesus being 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by Satan. In each of those cases, Satan was trying to get Jesus to do something the easy way. You're hungry, snap your fingers, make this stone bread. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Just jump and show everybody the angels will save you. And then I will show you the kingdoms of the world. Enough with this crucifixion nonsense, this suffering. Come on, Jesus. I'll give it to you right now. I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. All you have to do is just simply fall to your knees and worship me. It was all an attempt to do it quickly and easily. That not only is not God's plan but it takes out this suffering, this challenge, this journey that God had in mind for Christ. And it's the same thing here, and I think that's why he calls Peter Satan. Peter's wanting to get to the good stuff without having to deal with what he was looking at, and we often do, as bad stuff. 
that is sacrificing, that is suffering for Christ. Get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're trying for us to do this the easy way, and that's not the plan. That's not my mission. And that's not my call for those who will follow me then and now. You are a stumbling block to me. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you personally, face to face, eye to eye? You are a stumbling block to me. How can Jesus stumble? Can we get in the way of Christ's mission, plan, ministry? Because we either don't get it or we don't want to get it. And we're like Peter, we want to get to the good stuff without having to deal with the difficult things. It's a fascinating statement by Jesus. A stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So the first thing that's interesting is that Jesus again tells Peter as Satan to get behind him. Why? Well, we know that the position of superiority is in front. And then as you get behind a leader, you are following them. You are kind of surrendering yourself to that leadership. You are making yourself lower if you get behind in some ways. Keep talking about our puppy dog, I know it. But one of the things the dog's trying to do is to figure out where in the pack is his role in our family pack. So often he'll just sit there and put his paw on your foot as to assert dominance. Or if you make him sit down, he'll sit down, but he'll turn his back to you and then sit down. I get my treat. You can make me do this, but I'm thumbing my nose at you. But one of the things that we're told to do also is when you take them out, we make them sit on either side before they go out and right when they get through the door. But you go first and the dog comes second so that they know there's an order, that you are the alpha and the dog is subservient to you. It's a similar case when Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. For him to say that and do that, he would have to have had the power to make that happen. In our men's breakfast group, we're reading the book of Hebrews, and one of the main themes all the way through is that Jesus is greater with more authority than anything else and anybody else. The angels, prophets that went before it's all about making sure that we know that Jesus has the authority and he goes first. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you're trying to go first. You think you know the best way for this to happen and you're wrong. You're seeking the easy way, not my way or not God's way, not the Yahweh. Peter thinks he's got it figured out. No, 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 Jesus. I will rebuke you because you are wrong. 
And he's vying for that lead role. He's trying to be alpha dog, getting out front. And we do it on a daily basis and we lose every time. Christ is our alpha and our omega. When we make ourselves subservient to him, it is a surrender that allows us to truly follow, to be filled, to be healed, to be a disciple. Until we fully give ourselves and surrender, we are like Peter. Uh Uh-uh, this is the way that we're going to do it, Jesus. You can come along if you want. But this is the right way. And like Peter, Jesus says, you need to get behind me. Trust me that I know and am the way. And then do your best to follow. So we need to get behind Jesus. Not only is it nice to think of us to say, we've got Jesus' back, we are behind him. But it is our way of saying that this is our master, our Messiah, our king, our prophet, our priest. Son of the living God, as Peter just said. So in the course of just a few verses, Peter goes from rock to stumbling block. From rock to block. Rock to block. So our first challenge is to figure out how we get behind Jesus. That's where our role is, to be disciples. Secondly, we need to look and see how often we may be stumbling blocks to others. When we think we have it figured out like Peter. If Jesus would have said, okay, Peter, you're right. All those in favor, say aye. The Resurrection Committee has recommended that we take Peter's recommendation and there will be no suffering, death, sacrifice, cross, etc. And it all would have been destroyed. And all that we know that was so crucial in our understanding of God, faith, the world, Christ, resurrection, our biblical history, past, present, and future wouldn't have happened in the way that It should have. Stumbling blocks. Those times when we think we know better than God how things are supposed to be done. And friends, that's hard. That is discernment. That is prayer. One of the joys of and challenges of our Presbyterian polity is that we're trying to avoid one person like Peter saying, I've got the way. I know it. Why? Because we're all fallen humans. We're doing the best that we can with love, integrity, and faith. But our system provides for the fact that we sit down with several of us and we seek to say, this is how I think we're being led. This is how I see it. And then we work together for discernment and prayer. Sometimes we argue. Many times it takes longer than we think it should. But the benefit of that is that we are truly seeking not to be a stumbling block, but to be living stones, to be the example at First Presbyterian Church and elsewhere of the kingdom of God in this place.
So get behind Jesus. Look and see if there are moments where you might be a stumbling block or an immovable rock that would cause others to stumble. We all do that. We're humans. But to be aware of that and to say, how can I help this situation instead of hinder it? How do I help that person instead of insult or provide a negativity that will make everything more difficult? How can I teach this person who I know is struggling? I don't know if I have all the answers. I don't, I don't, I don't. It's our call to then take the next and final step, which is all you have to do is just pick up your cross, follow Jesus. Just do that. Go. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Maybe one of the most difficult things Jesus asks us to do. Deny yourself. Nobody wants that. We want everything we want. And pick up your cross. Crosses in that day were weighed around 300 pounds. And those who were accused who would be crucified had to carry the cross beam that was itself about 100 pounds. You remember Jesus falters on his walk to Calvary, Golgotha, to his own crucifixion, and Simon of Cyrene has to come and help him in his weakened state. He had been beaten for several days. It's not easy to pick up our cross. It means we are denying ourselves it means we are putting Christ first and trusting him and not elbowing him to figure out whose path we're going to take. Not to say, yeah, Jesus, but I think if we did it this way. And that kind of discernment is difficult because we're not necessarily going to get a clear outline of written ideas of what Jesus wants us to do, except... It's what we have in the Bible. That's why it's there. So how do we pick up our cross? How do we make sure we're not a stumbling block? Go to the Romans passage. Love Romans 12 is great. You heard some from Vicki this morning. And it's interesting because that 20 plus, those things that Paul lays out for us, all tell us what it looks like to pick up our cross and not to be stumbling blocks for others. There are some that say, do this. Love one another with mutual affection. And then there are a lot that say, do not do these. If you look at the do nots, we can understand what it would look like to be a stumbling block and also what it looks like to pick up our cross and follow. Do not lag in zeal. Don't stop being excited, enthusiastic, and while we can't always be up here, the way that we interact with our faith ripples out to those around us and the world. If our head is hung low and we have no connection and our faith is running dry, then we need to find a way through that. We can help each other with that. Do not curse those who persecute you. Do not be haughty. Haughty. It's such a snooty word in and of itself. 
The literal definition is arrogantly superior and disdainful. Arrogantly superior and disdainful. Don't be that. Don't claim to be wiser than you are. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Never avenge yourselves and live peaceably with all as much as it is up to you. So our call today is to get behind Jesus, to not be a stumbling block and trust Christ. And then to pick up our cross, we often have to put down other things in our hands. All the things that we do metaphorically and literally to keep ourselves from picking up that cross because we're afraid of that suffering. We're afraid of those sacrifices. We're afraid of inviting the living God into our hearts and lives. But we have to put everything else down in order to pick up our cross, his cross. Christ is calling you today, friends, to put down paralyzing fear and pick up his cross and follow. To put down the illusion of control and pick up his cross and follow. To put down the burden of having to be right about everything and pick up his cross and follow. Put down the game console and the remote control and pick up his cross and follow. Put down the politics of this world in exchange for the politics of his kingdom and pick up your cross, his cross, and follow. Put down putting other people down and pick up his cross and follow. Put down your pumpkin spice latte swirling with notes of cinnamon and nutmeg in this hand and iced peppermint white chocolate mocha in the other and pick up his cross and follow. Put down being a stumbling block to others and pick up his cross and follow. Put down being overcome by evil and overcome evil with good as you pick up his cross, your cross, and follow. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Great God. We need courage and we need strength. Help us to surrender ourselves to get behind you. Help us not to be stumbling blocks for others because of our own selfish ways. And give us the courage to put everything else down so that our hands are free to pick up your cross. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.